everyone, and welcome back to Building Better SaaS podcast. My name is David Abramson. I'm the Chief Technology Officer here at Curvey. Curvey is an embedded analytics layer for SaaS applications. So we work with lots of SaaS companies every day to help them grow and enhance their product offerings. And this is our podcast that focuses on topics relevant to SaaS companies and product teams that are building those products. And I'm, I'm really happy to introduce today's guest on the podcast. Uh, we have Artem. He's the Chief Product Officer and Co-Founder of Assembly AI. And I'm going to pass it over to Artem and he can introduce a little bit more about Assembly AI and what, what you guys are doing over there. Uh, hey, David, great to be here. Uh, yep. Yeah, so the CPO at Assembly AI, also co-founder. Um, we are in an AI teammate as we build a product that joins meetings, uh, listens in, records them, and then is able to provide you the full transcript of the meeting, meeting notes, tasks, uh, a lot of useful insights from the meeting, such as issues, risks, decisions. Um, and you can also talk to an AI uh, chatbot about the meeting, ask it questions or have it generate content for you, let's say like the agenda for the next meeting or a thank you email or something like that. And um, we integrate into a bunch of downstream apps so you can automate a lot of your stuff. For example, I get my uh, tasks right in my to-do app on my phone. All right, sounds great. Um, and since you sort of you know bring it up right out right out of the gate, you guys are obviously doing quite a lot with AI. Um, it's such a hot topic, obviously these days, and everybody's sort of talking about it. So I wonder if you might just you know kind of expand a little bit on how sort of the recent AI explosion, if you will, has sort of impacted your business or your product. Do you, do you see it sort of bringing more attention? Is it helping you drive you know new innovations what's what's been that impact for you yep so we've been around since 2019 so we've been in this game uh prior uh to the the big wave of innovation um it's definitely been a very uh game-changing year uh for us and really any application that deals with ai um so there's been a lot of uh great positive um change so one is around awareness. Uh, many, many more people and organizations now uh, are aware of the value and the proposition of AI for their business activities, internal operations, the kind of services they offer. And so that definitely gave us a big boost. Uh, whereas you know, earlier we had to really do a lot of explaining and um, education around why our product is really valuable and useful and why not having an AI in your meetings is crazy. Uh, and um, but, but today we have a lot of companies coming to us because they understand the awesomeness and they want to have it uh, for themselves. So awareness was one big change. And then, of course, the actual availability of more uh, cogent LLMs has brought in a big shift in the kinds of technologies that are built and how they're built. Uh, and of course, we've incorporated that into our product and uh, that's enabled uh, different areas of our um, of our solution to get a lot more powerful uh, and continue to get more powerful into next year. Yeah. So you mentioned models. Um, if and maybe this is just kind of a, an advice question for other folks who are looking to incorporate more AI tools and services into their products. Um, you know, how do you feel about 
sort of leveraging external AI services and models to augment what you're doing versus maybe building some of your own in-house or internal tools to support that use case? And from, from my perspective, it always has to be driven by the result that you're trying to achieve. And if there's something out there that already does a really great job with a good cost basis, there's really no reason to try to do a home brew uh, because uh, that's uh, you know, the, where, where, where does the value lie? Because the, the, this, there are a lot of these large uh, foundational models are great. They solve a lot of use cases really well, and they're also continuously improving. Um, so unless you have like a very niche kind of target result point that you're trying to get to that the models that are out there today cannot achieve for some reason. And I would love to under, like see more of those because very often it's not the case. Like very often just the, the really powerful OMs um, are already able to uh, provide the kind of value points that you need. So unless you have something like that, that's very, very niche, I don't really see um, a, a real reason to to custom train. Of course, there's there's always like kind of what I, what I would call like maybe micro models, like things like classifiers or um, I don't know, maybe some kind of like a pattern recognizers that are more like very, very pointed in their use. Um, and maybe there are some performance requirements that the generic models don't meet or maybe some mobility and form factor requirements that they don't meet or maybe some cost requirements. The data mean maybe you need to do a query like a million times a second, um, and then it's too expensive to do it with like some of the bigger providers. Uh, unless you have some very special conditions, for most cases, I think the large language models that are commercially available today are really good. Yeah, no, I think that's really salient point. Um, obviously, um, everybody's trying to maximize what their you know capabilities and product can do. So uh, obviously, go with what you think would work. Uh, best for the use case, which kind of brings me to the, the kind of next area that I wanted to talk about, which you sort of mentioned already as well in your intro, and that is kind of the integrations that can happen, um, you know, from products to other tools and, and other services. And one of the things that we typically see with our customers and, and SaaS products is at some point you have to decide you know, when and how you're going to start integrating your technology with other tools. Um, we typically see two types of integrations. One is more of like a data integration where, um, you know, obviously if you have a product that's going to be collecting a lot of data, you want to decide how that data sort of integrates with other tools and services, or if you want to send that data somewhere else to empower your customers to do other types of things with that data. Um, and then the second type is typically what I would call sort of process integrations, where um, you might build some type of integration that's going to, you know, kick off external services or tasks. Maybe it's, you know, related to email or um, some type of other productivity toolkit or, or task that runs based off of something that gets triggered within your environment. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you see sort of integrations playing a role with, with your product and, and, and what you guys are doing? Integrations are a big deal for us, and it's uh, it plays into the automation aspect of our platform. Uh, one very natural thing to want to do once you have an AI teammate in your meeting 
is to be able to automate some of the follow-on activity beyond the meeting. And the more you can do that, the more productive your AI agent is and the, the better your life becomes on the team. Uh, and so we look at integrations. Well, first of all, we look at individual integrations and workspace-wide integration. So uh, on an individual level, as a user, you can individually connect apps to assembly uh, to enable essentially individualized personal integration. So for me, that would be like my to-do app where I get my tasks in my app. Um, and there's a lot of different options for that. You know, in our product, that's, you know, you, you can integrate meeting notes, transcript, or you can integrate tasks. Um, and then also you can, uh, as an individual user, use a, a custom webhooks integration for more advanced things. Like if I'm hackerish, I might want to integrate something into Zapier and then do things from there. But then we also offer workspace-wide integration. So that's more for the larger environments that want to roll some of their own automation. So maybe like some of this process type integration that you mentioned, where it's possible to stream the activity of the entirety of the work stream into their uh, integration layer or integration hub, and they can do useful things from there. So this is more relevant for larger companies. And so some examples of this kind of integration that companies have picked up on uh, using assembly are things like Salesforce automation. So companies that uh, have Salesforce and uh, they want, and they have custom objects in Salesforce and they want to marry, let's say meeting notes from their customer client calls uh, automatically into those objects. They can do that with this workspace level um integration also for compliance purposes so if you have like a financial organization or a legal organization you can stream uh all your um uh insights and all your meeting notes uh to some kind of a centralized data store for compliance retention yeah no that makes a lot of sense it actually kind of leads me to my next set of questions which is sort of at, at some point right you're either going to decide to integrate with some other third-party service and say, all right, I, there's a set of capabilities that I know that as a product owner and, and, and product team, I'm not going to need to support natively in my solution. So if somebody wants to do these more advanced things, there are much better products out there that are going to do that, um, those functions and, and, those, and have those capabilities. And so that's where obviously that integration comes into play. And, and you obviously talked about, you know, different maybe use cases, whether it's a compliance use case or maybe a sales automation use case or something where it's obviously not your uh, area of expertise. But um, maybe you can talk a little bit about how your decision-making process goes into expanding the product. So um, when is it time to build that feature? or How do you figure out when is it time to build that feature natively as part of your solution? versus when you would just continue to maybe develop third-party integrations to do the types of things that your your customers or partners are looking to accomplish. In terms of deciding on whether it should be a feature or whether we want to enable the integration, well, I, I don't see them as mutually exclusive, first of all. So integrations are integrations, and uh, we'd like to support um, as many relevant environments of applications as we can. Uh, and so, you know, uh, like iPaaS or like integration platforms as a service is a really great way to enable a lot of uh, integrations quickly. Um, you know, from from assembly standpoint, we look at it as there's effectively custom integrations, what we call custom, which is 
we uh, we throw data at a webhook and then you do whatever you want from it. So we call in at assembly product that that's called a custom integration, meaning that we send you data, you do whatever. Then there's full on native integrations where we create a really nice end-to-end integrated experience with our product, with our data, with another product. So in, in assembly, that's true for Slack, that's true for Notion, that's true for Microsoft to do Microsoft Planner, that's true for Google Tasks. So a few apps that we natively support integrations. And then there's kind of like this middle piece, uh, let's call it native light for all intents and purposes. And that's where um, we will out of the box be able to send data uh, to a downstream app without any code necessary from you. So you just enable it, you per, you you log in with your credential, and then our data goes to, to, into your app. But maybe the experience of assembly inside that app is not that robust. It's it's pretty light and simple. And in that layer, we can support a lot of different endpoints. And so it's our goal to support as many endpoints that are native light as we possibly can to make it very easy to drop data into the apps you use every day. And then for certain, some of them will create a more robust experience. Now, in terms of which features we actually pursue, so I think that very much depends on uh, the vision for your product in terms of how do you, what do you see your product being and also becoming, who will be your main audiences and how you see your product used in the future. I think that's an important idea, like the vision, because um, you know, a lot of it is you know, somebody might already have this feature. But so what if you think your your product is going to be competing head on with this other product that you should put that feature in? Another reason, another way to look, another way to analyze is to look at where there are already mature products in the space that do a really good job uh, end to end in a particular set of user experiences. That you know, there's no reason for you to try to replicate that. That's you know, that would be kind of a fool's errand because there's already a lot of mature products in that area, and so. There's aspects of your content and data that could be very helpful for those products, and you can push your data out there. So for us, an example of that would be like, um, let's say, project management systems and like portfolio management systems, where essentially by using assembly integrations, they have the ability to begin their user experience right in the meeting and, and automate away many, many activities uh, before the user ever needs to touch some kind of a data entry or modification interface on their product. So just by virtue of conducting meetings, they can already be dropping things into Monday.com or Asana or Rec, um or Microsoft Project, right? So, um, so it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's, I guess it's a kind of a combinatorial analysis to understand like whether a feature needs to go in or whether a feature uh, is good and kind of like can live in the in this other product and you just want to integrate yeah and I, obviously it depends on the types of products and use cases and users you're, you're working with I, I think the you know the meeting space is kind of interesting right it's, it's obviously gotten so much more relevant now that everybody's kind of still remote <laughs> um and and you know as at least from my view, I don't see that changing too much anytime in the near future. But maybe last question I'll just kind of throw out there is, you know, how do you see the meeting space changing in the future? Do you, you see this kind of continued emphasis on supporting more of a like a remote workspace? Or, you know, is there some other trend that we should be paying attention to? When it comes to you know how we manage the tools that we're leveraging for these types of uh, meeting environments, 
I would say AI augmented meeting scenarios is going to be the future. In some sense, it's already the present, but in many ways, it's going to be the future. And by that, I mean that uh, very soon, and some companies are already there. You know, there's we have customers who are heavy users of Assembly, and they already are benefiting from this. But I think uh, most companies are going to get there, uh, where uh, all meeting activity will be uh, exposed to AI to some extent. Um, because what that does is multiplies the benefit of that meeting so many times. And so what you're going to see in the future is, I, I, I agree with you that I think remote is here to stay. Maybe not 100% remote, but in, a, in a, some, some big X percent remote um, is going to be a very common paradigm in most cases. Um, and so online meetings are continue, will continue to be uh, an important aspect. And person-to-person and, and -person communication is very important. But now you're going to be augmenting these calls with AI. And I think the presence of AI agents will start to be more of a more standard thing in meetings. So for instance, today, there's no such, there's no such thing as, a, as kind of an AI attendee, as a separate attendee in meetings. And so when assembly shows up in meetings, it's just not like a regular person joining. Um, I think in the future, it would make sense for uh, conferencing platforms to provide certain special facilities for AI agents joining. And then um, those agents will probably over time become more interactive during meetings. So they'll be able to participate and, uh, in ways that, you know, hopefully initially are not too disruptive and eventually very useful during a meeting. Um, and then lastly, and I think this is, you know, this is very sci-fi, but I totally think this will happen is eventually you'll have AI agents from one company meeting with AI agents from another company and humans don't necessarily need to be on the call. You can already do this with assembly. You can send assembly into a meeting instead of you. Um, let's say you had a conflict or something happened, like you have an appointment, you can set, you can just tell assembly, you know, you won't be coming. You can leave a message for the teammates. Assembly will show up. They'll say hi. Like da -da -da, Artem couldn't make it. Like he's got a dentist appointment, and uh, he wanted to ask that you guys cover this topic while you're talking. And then after the call, Assembly comes back with the meeting notes and and tasks and insights from that call. So that's already like partially going on. Um, I think the like the next big step, and that's not for tomorrow. That's maybe in another couple of years or more. Um, if, it's funny how a couple of years is like the long-term horizon now, but, um, uh, it will be a time where, you know, like my companies will be meeting with like another service provider, but instead of me being in the call, it's my agent, my AI agent in the call. And from there, it's their AI agent. And they clarify a few questions I had among each other. Like they understand what my goal is, that agents understands what their company's goal is and um they figure it out and they my agent just comes back with the nitty-gritty and just uh you know maybe like a sign off uh for me all right yeah very interesting i mean i think yeah ai talking to ai in lieu of physically attending the meeting sounds like an interesting an interesting future maybe even present in, in some cases so really appreciate the perspective and you know, thanks for the, the robust discussion on, on the podcast today and for joining me on the Building Better SaaS podcast. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you on the next one. Take care. Thank you, David. Thanks for listening to Building Better SaaS. You can find all our episodes on Apple Music and Spotify.